You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. While you were skipping stones, building forts, and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me, growing up Broadway. Little me. Hello, welcome back, Little Me listeners. My guest today left home at the age of 14 to attend North Carolina School of the Arts, where she graduated in just three years. Within a few months of moving to New York, she made her Broadway debut at the age of 17 in The Phantom of the Opera. Following Phantom, she appeared on Broadway in Nice Work, If You Can Get It, On the Town, Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Moulin Rouge. She appeared in the FX television series Fosse Verdon, and she is making her feature film debut as Graziella in Steven Spielberg's thrilling remake of West Side Story, currently out in theaters everywhere. Please welcome Paloma Garcia-Lee. Hello! (laughs) Well, it sounds amazing when you say it all. (laughs) I know, right? Um, It's really cool when you put it all together and you're like, this girl has done so much in such a small amount of time. You have like been in so many Broadway shows, um, which we're going to unpack in a minute. And of course, I want to talk about your childhood and the wildness of like graduating high school in three years and all that. But we have to talk about that you're a big movie star now. (laughs) Congratulations on West Side Story. The movie is sensational. I got to see it like a month ago. I've not stopped talking about it. You are just so brilliant in this film and you pop out of it in a way that I never thought a Graziella could. It's like this beautiful performance. Tell me how West Side came to your life. Oh my gosh. Well, first off, thank you. Um, I have seen it six times now, so I am on currently a little break from watching it. Um, (laughs) Truly six times in the last month. It's been a lot, but it's just so astounding, you know, being a part of making it obviously with Spielberg and everyone, we knew it was going to be something very special, something very beautiful, but I think the film has surpassed all of our expectations even. And today as we're recording, we're nominated for 11 Critics' Choice Awards. Congratulations. Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Yes. Um, Okay. So exciting. I had read that you had really manifested playing this part in this movie. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of your manifestation and how it all kind of came to be? Yeah, it's wild. Like the long story short of it all is so West Side's been a part of my life for forever. My mom did the product, the show a million times professionally. And so I grew up with um, West Side posters around the house. My mom's like West Side show jacket is something that I would literally wear in the winter as like a kid being like, I'm so cool in my mom's West Side jacket. Um, And when I was 15 at North Carolina School of the Arts, every like every four or five years they do an all school musical that involves all of the departments there. And we did West side story, my sophomore year of high school, uh, where I played Graziella in that. And that was, um, kind of the thing that sparked 
me shifting my focus from ballet and dance to acting. I really just like fell in love with that, which is funny because again, Graziella is usually seen as such just like just a dancer or that has usually been, you know, it's like Riff's girlfriend or that dancer and dance at the gym. Yet even the first time I played it with the original staging, original choreography, I was like, oh, I love acting. Oh, interesting. This is making me totally fall in love with acting. So I ended up actually totally quitting dance and focusing on acting, switching to school of drama. So anyway, that's just like the backstory of like Graz came into my life when I was 15 years old, changed my whole path. And then I've literally spent 15 years trying to get back to her. And in any way that I could, 2009 revival up for Graz, final callbacks, didn't get it. Paper Mill was doing it, went in for Graz, was too tall for it, was offered a different role. Uh, the most recent Broadway revival, that reimagining, um, they only were interested in seeing me for anybody's. And I was like, no, I'd, be, I'd only want to play Graz for this. I literally have searched, and I've been in Broadway shows all the other times, but I was literally willing to go to Marfa, Texas to play Graziella <laughs> if the, the opportunity presented I mean, it itself. feels like the, the best possible situation <laughs> came up for you. Better than, I mean, better than I could have ever imagined. So in 2018, when I saw the deadline article, uh, I remember I was in my apartment on 70th and I was literally just sitting there, saw the deadline and I just had this like feeling (laughs) and I went and I wrote down in my journal, I'm big into just like writing out lists of things that I'm calling into my life and just really like welcoming, just like allowing the things that I desire to flow in and working towards. And I just remember I opened up my journal and I wrote down, I'm playing Graziella in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. And I had a mood board next to my bed, um, this little like push pin board. And I just ended up putting a bunch of pictures of Graz on it and a bunch of pictures of West Side Story. And um, when I saw the article come out, I was heavy in uh, we were doing the out of town tryout for Moulin Rouge. And so we were about to head to Boston. We were doing that. Um, you know, I waited all summer and finally they released auditions, uh, towards the end of our run in Boston. And I went in to audition for it. And I am, I'm embarrassed to say it's one of the easiest jobs I've ever gotten in my life. And I can literally only attribute that to, there was some cosmic connection of, um, how you realize later in life that, like I was meant to do this at this moment with this person and this team and this production. And it's amazing. What's meant for you will not pass you by. And this is such like a testament to that. It's, it's a dream come true role also, which is, um, you know, not only this like kind of lifelong journey to get to play it again and to revisit this role that grabbed me so much, but being able to be a part of this new production, this new retelling with Steven, with Tony. And again, like you said, you know, they've given Graz a lot more, depth and humanity and range in this film. I want to talk about that. So how much of that new depth and reality and the range, how much of that is coming from you? How much of that came from Steven Spielberg? We'll call him Steven for our purposes. (laughs) Um, Steven, seeing how electric you are and wanting to build that up, was that already part of the script? Tell us about how this evolution of this Graziella, which I think really is so much heart it has so much heart in this last chapter of the film and it moved me in a really unbelievable way and I'm not saying that just because you're sitting here but I was like that is so interesting I've never seen that side of it from her perspective and what she's experiencing watching these guys in that last scene at docks but tell me about how that came together for you you know, it's kind of a meld of all of the worlds. I think that they they have put all of the female characters in stronger positions in this film than they've ever been in before. We're getting yeah. so much more of Maria's backstory, Anita's backstory with the introduction of Valentina's character. We're getting um, a bit of a different female focus in such a male-driven show. And, you know, Graz especially is really 
Gratz and Velma are the only two real representatives from the Jet Girls that show up in other areas of any production of the show. And so I know they wanted to, I know they initially wanted to give more life there anyway. And then after we all encountered each other in the auditions, there were a few email exchanges of them being like, listen, we're really interested in expanding this character, you know, even more now that we've met you and kind of the conversations. I had a lot of um, allowance to bring myself to the role and this kind of uh, passion and ferocity and things that I bring to my life and my human and Tony and Steven were very and Justin is everyone was very on board with allowing me to kind of infuse her with even more uh than before but of course like we're seeing different things some things in the script are not exactly how they finally translated to the film and vice versa and all of those things but the discovery of her her especially we get to discover her backstory with Tony, which is never explored in any other production yeah. that Tony and Graz used to date before he went to prison. And Riff and Tony now have that interaction at the top of the film about kind of like, does Tony now want to come back to the Jets? Cause is it a Graziella thing? Is that what he's, is that what this, like there's all of these. Kind it makes of so little... much more sense. It's just like so much clearer. I mean, every moment of this movie is so clear. I mean, how could it not be with uh, Steven Spielberg, like driving the car? It's, it's, there's no questioning you, you know where you're supposed to feel things. And, it's, yeah. it's so beautifully done. So beautiful. And also the callback, like, so Tony, this character, so Graziella in Romeo and Juliet is Rosalind. And Rosalind is in the top of Romeo and Juliet as Romeo's ex-lover and is, is briefly mentioned in it. But that's truly where that connection came in, uh, was bringing it back all the way to Shakespeare and letting her kind of ride from there. And then we get a different uh, establishment of her and Riff's relationship. And then, yeah, I mean, at the end of the film, she's, we're really um, in one scene, we get to see her go from, you know, despair and hate to trying to save Anita in a moment. And it's really, that scene is so heavy. It was so heavy to film. Uh, Ariana DeBose is one of my dearest friends too. And that was such a heavy uh, week for us there. And yeah, so it was kind of an infusion of all sorts of different things. And I'm I'm so grateful. And even Dance at the Gym, we get to see such a different side of Riff and Gratz's relationship. And this is the difference in, I say, what Steven has done and what Janish with the cinematography and everything. We're really seeing a film. This is, I, I struggle to call it a movie musical or a filmed musical because that's really not what we're seeing. We're seeing this real 360, uh, very close up intimate relationship between all of these characters and I think that's where the added depth comes from and you know what's amazing about this company and this cast is we did so much work offset and behind the scenes to create these relationships with each other so then when we would show up and the camera would be rolling I don't want to say no acting was had in this film because lots of acting was had but <laughs> we also just let ourselves uh we understood our character so deeply that then we were able just to live in those circumstances and I really think shine Everyone is adding what Ariana has brought to Anita, you know, and what David brings to Bernardo, what Mike brings to Riff, a Riff we've never seen before. All of these things, um, you know, are coming from the people playing them. And I just think it's a magical thing to be a part of that. Where were you when you found out like this dream was coming to reality and that phone rang? Tell me about that day. And then who's the first person you told? Ha. Uh, so I... It's a very long story, but I ended up actually finding out uh, early that I had gotten this job. Kind of, I kind of found out by accident, if I'm being honest with you. And so I had actually found out that I had gotten this role before the final callback. But I, I still had to attend the final callback knowing the role was mine. And okay, that was awkward. a very awkward, but 
I mean, lo- amazing, awkward. I'm terrible at keeping any level of secret ever. <laughs> and it was truly like the hardest few weeks of my life that I truly couldn't tell anyone. Um, you know, and so I got the call late one night in November that year. What was that? Three years ago, over three years ago now. And I was walking home and my agent called me and said, you know, we just got a very special phone call that Steven Spielberg has approved for you to know early that he would love for you to be a part uh, of West Side Story as Graziella um, in this. And I, no exaggeration, fell to my knees outside. It was drizzling rain in November in New York on 70th Street. And I fell to my knees. Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll truly just never forget it. It was, um, again, like those moments in life where it's like that dream come true wildest dream come true and especially with the manifestation of it like how could you not feel like oh my god the puzzle is connected in such a thrilling way in the biggest way possible truly the biggest way possible and especially you know and it was kind of that whole the whole conversation it was like a heavy moment being like it was a friday night and i remember it being like before we dive into the weekend they want you to know that this is yours but you also have to you know attend a final callback and you're going to be attending this final callback and no one else in that room knows that they do or don't have a job. And I remember when I went in, so it, it was a few weeks before that. And then when I went into the final callback, um, I remember I walked in the room and Steven was standing across uh, like diagonally from me and he just looked at me and he opened his arms and I just like ran across the room <laughs> and just like dove into his arms. And he was just like, oh, we're so excited like, we are just so lucky to have you doing this. And he just walked me over to Tony Kushner, who gave me the biggest hug, and Justin. And it was this, like, beautiful and crazy moment of this, like, I was having to, like, set so temper uh, temper my thrill because I'm, you know, we're about to start a final callback where it's, like, the, the room is tense. But then it was also this very freeing thing where I felt that I was able to contribute even more deeply. That room was so joyous and so safe anyway. But in a different way, I was just able to, like, enjoy that day so in such a different way that I would have been otherwise if you and were just, like trying to get a job yeah yeah and so I was able to then infuse my friends who were trying to get the job with just like guys let's just have the best day let's just enjoy this moment look where we are look at the room that we're in um but I'm trying to think who's the first person I told I mean I walked upstairs um I was married at the time and so I walked upstairs and just like broke down on the floor to my husband and was like oh my gosh like my actual you know of course and he was on that ride with me through like the whole journey of me manifesting this of all so the graziellas like, that did not happen yes. <laughs> right of uh, seriously of yeah. all of those times and just me being like I'm meant to I remember 2009, it was, I called my mom like scream crying on the street. And I am not that person. When I don't get a job, my mom's in the business. I grew up really deeply understanding uh, how everything works. And so whenever I don't get something, I usually treat myself to something nice and move on with my day. And then in 2009, I literally scream cried on the street when I was cut. And I remember my mom just being like, Paloma, like you'll just, you are, you know, if you feel you're called to do this, then just keep going out for it every time you see it. And, you know, just keep working towards it and maybe it'll happen and maybe it won't. And I just remember that conversation so deeply with my mom. And then I remember actually having like a full fight with casting at Paper Mill when they were saying I was too tall to play it there. And I like fully just like fighting with casting over (laughs) over it then. Just all of these like deep moments that, you know, then now it's taught me the biggest lesson in trust and in patience and in alignment, because now I understand why none of those worked out. 
right now it's, you're, it's you were meant for much so much me. bigger things yes it's hard yes. to see that when you're in the middle of the tornado and you yeah. want the thing that's right in front of you it's very hard to see that there might be a bigger thing on the other side of it and it's a good reminder for all of us that yes. you know hold tight it's co- it's coming it's coming, it's coming and it's probably not even going to be anything you can fathom it to be though i mean we as humans love um having some semblance of control or thoughts of control of our life, right? We want to know how things are going to work out. We want to know the end of the story. But it is also this moment where I couldn't have fathomed any moment before 2018 that Steven Spielberg would even, but that this would even be an option. You'd even know who you are. Yes. Right. There we go. Like, yeah. It's, Fully. It's, it's wild. Now, you were doing Moulin Rouge while this movie started filming. How hard was that to negotiate to make both of these huge things happen at once for yourself. If anyone from that creative team is listening, they're chuckling to themselves right now. It was very hard. It was, I had been involved with Moulin Rouge since 2017. I was on, I helped Sonia Taya audition to be the choreographer for it. Uh, I've done every lab of it. I had truly been a part of like the founding group of that musical. And so uh, many things were in, like 2019 I think for so many people prior to the pandemic, 2019 was nuts. I came out of Moulin Rouge in Boston, set to do Rent Live, and then literally, truly contracts signed to go do Rent Live, and then ended up booking that recurring role in Fosse Verdon. Had Which to we will out. be talking about, friends. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> yeah, so it's like then I had to pull out of Rent Live very last minute, and that was a very difficult decision for me to then, and that's while I was auditioning for Westside, to then do Fosse Verdon. On Fosse Verdon's winter break, I ended up going back to Phantom to vacation swing for the two weeks we had off. Yeah. And then after that, went back to filming Fosse Verdon, was doing pre-pro for Moulin Rouge and starting rehearsals for Westside at all the same time. And it was, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. There were multiple conversations with Moulin Rouge when they said, you have to choose. This is impossible because we were, we started filming... We were rehearsing during rehearsals and tech for Moulin Rouge. And then we started filming during previews of Moulin Rouge. And then I was, you know, with this character, I was filming off and on pretty much from we filmed a first section in June. And then I filmed that last drugstore scene in September. So it was kind of this very scattered schedule all through the summer that Westside needed my availability. But it, I missed first preview of Moulin Rouge because I was filming. I almost didn't make opening. Uh, it was true. It was very difficult for them to find how that was going to work with a vacation swing. Uh, what the best thing is, it kind of can't be me one night, them the next night, me one night, them. So it ended up, I was having to take, uh, if I even filmed for one or two days, I would need to take the whole week off of Moulin Rouge. Um, so it was very hectic. It was very chaotic. It was very high stakes for me because I also had been with Moulin Rouge since 2017. And the idea of not being there opening night to see was that through, yeah. gutting to me. Uh, and so, you know, and Westside really couldn't in, in a, in a scenario like that, I mean, we're dealing with right, like two giants, we're doing but a hundred million dollar movie, <laughs> like has a lot of things going on yeah and like steven can't really i was like why well, have moulin rouge rehearsal and he's like great i have I'm a sorry. whole set built in new jersey <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you um so there was really not any flexibility there and i will forever my deepest gratitude to the team at moulin rouge and especially to alex timbers and bill damashki and john logan and the folks who really pulled for me to make this possible and who understood the opportunity at hand 
and understood how I could not miss it. The very few conversations that asked me to choose, uh, I remember I was obviously very emotional in those, but at that moment, I was just like, I have the opportunity to be, you know, a supporting role in a Steven Spielberg film as my first movie that is, and I've done six Broadway shows at this point. Like I have to go see this dream to its reality. And so there, it was, um, it was amazing that we were able to make it work. And, you know, that I was, and I went back to Moulin Rouge just in time for a pandemic. So it was really crazy. <laughs> we're going there. When you think about this insanity of kind of doing the movie, doing a new Broadway musical and previews, how much do you think that sort of helped your Graziella, like leap out of essentially of the camera on the camera that you were have, we had, our stakes couldn't be higher. You had so much happening in your life, which I'm sure really helped your performance. Do you have, you thought much about that? I'm not sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm not sure I slept that entire summer, which like may have been helpful. <laughs> like I, I was just running on excitement and thrill and adrenaline the entire time. I was also dealing with, and you can actually like hear it in my voice in the drugstore scene. I had nodes. I fully like, I, I was not well trying to do all the things, but I think that did add a, a grit to her that I don't carry with me every single day of my life. But yeah. during that time I was in fight or flight each and every day and exhausted beyond any level of exhaustion I have ever known before. And so, you're also living your dreams. So this is the yeah. the hardest thing to balance, I imagine. Yeah. And coming out yeah. of a year where I was doing triple duty most of the year, not just double duty, not just anything like that. Truly, I had never worked as much as I did in 2018, 2019 in my career thus far. And so it was really uh, the culmination of a lot of things, but also me really realizing it was a moment of doors opening and kind of even as you were like reading my resume at the top of this, it's funny to even remember that I've done those things because I right now feel at the very beginning of what I'm kind of setting out to do. Like Westside yeah. in so many ways feels like my full debut <laughs> as like a human in the artistic world and not to discount or forget or let go of anything that I've done prior to now. But it's funny, Westside just opened these doors to all of these new dreams that I have and goals. And um, it was just that moment. It was really that moment of me being like, oh, I want to go again, right? 15-year-old Paloma, Graziella changed her trajectory yeah. of what she wanted to do. And now, you know, I was, we were filming, I was 28, 28-year-old Paloma all of a sudden opened her eyes and was like, Oh, I want to go do film and TV. Oh my gosh. Like I want to, I want to do this now. So it was a really exciting moment where as so many people were like, Oh my gosh, this is the biggest thing you've ever done. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Look, you're making it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like the beginning of, this is like the start, the little like baby seed. Of yeah, something. of course. Now what's so wild is obviously you filmed this movie now a long time ago. It was slated to come out last December. And so along with Moulin Rouge, which you were starring in on Broadway, that show closed. You got you had COVID, right? Most of your cast had COVID, I, I, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. So you got sick, your show closed, and then your movie, well, you know, had a hiatus, and your movie was now held for another year. I can't imagine what that was like, this, for someone who's working constantly, doing three Broadway shows back-to-back, -back, you know, and all these things, and filming a film, and opening a new Broadway musical, and then it's like silence. And then your movies also now have to hold another year. How did you deal with not only the mental side of that, but also just like, you know, the, the physical of like, oh my God, where did all the things go that I was doing? 
you know, it was the greatest gift in disguise because again, having made my debut at 17 and truly not stopping since then. And I'm so I'm none of that is lost on me when I say that that's not ego filled, it's gratitude filled, but it's, I would never have given myself a break and I didn't know how much I needed one until I was forced into one. And so the, the first six months, I mean, once I recovered from COVID and I was very sick, I was sick for six weeks. And, uh, once I was better, I understood the moment deeply and was able to be like, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest. I'm going to rehab my body. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to really work on defining myself outside of my work in new ways. I was also going through a bunch of different transformations in my relationship life and transitioning out of these long-term relationships I had been in. Like I was table flipping my life at this moment. So I really needed the quiet to kind of sort everything out on the table and see where I was and what I wanted. So what that started to look like was probably around, you know, pandemic started in March and probably around June, July, I just started getting this inkling. Like we had no idea when Broadway was going to come back, no clue. And so, you know, they were like, we think it's probably going to be another year at this point. And so at that moment I was like, well, there's nothing really binding me to New York now relationship wise or career wise. So I actually moved out to LA September, 2020. And Mm -hmm. I packed up my, my 12 years in New York into a Penske truck and asked my dad if he wanted to drive across the country with me. And I drove all of my earthly possessions out to Los Angeles because at that point, the movie hadn't been pushed yet. And so I was like, okay, well, like Westside's probably going to come out in December. I'm going to move to LA and give myself a year out here. And whenever Moulin Rouge calls, I'll see where I am. And so I drove all my stuff out here, got into my new apartment out here in Los Angeles, slept on the floor on a moving pad because it was like, we weren't moved in yet. And my dad was helping me with all of this. And the next morning got a FaceTime from Steven Spielberg saying they're pushing the film a whole year. Oh and God. so it was the, the, my first morning in LA was like, again, right. The plan, the plan, the thing that I had planned for is not going to look the way I thought it was going to look. And so it's just been kind of a bunch of this recurring lesson in trust, this recurring lesson in release in allow in, can I be present? What can I do? So anyway, I'm out here in LA and I decide anyway, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I'm going to switch up my representation. I'm going to look for, you know, a new manager and agent out here in LA. I'm still going to utilize this. And I think I really want to do TV and film full time now. And what a better time. You can view it in two ways. What a terrible time in a pandemic to make this decision and this switch, but also kind of what a great time where it's like, everyone's in this free moment where you can kind of reinvent yourself. And you I have just the either, opportunity I, you know, to restart. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I had friends becoming real estate agents. I had friends completely doing other things. And I was like, well, what a great time for me to get my acting classes, start auditioning, start like laying the groundwork that I know has to be laid because I've done it before. You know, it's not my first rodeo now. And so I know what it is to meet new casting directors, to hit the ground running, to start introducing oneself to an industry. And so I decided to take this year to do that and familiarize myself with LA. And by the time, you know, and so that was going very successfully. I was able to link up with an incredible new manager out here and just um, the community has been really embracing this decision, um, especially knowing with the film coming out. And so then, you know, September through April, uh, kind of still radio silence from Broadway. And then in April, they started toying with like, we think things are going to be back up around September. And so those calls started coming out and my birthday is April 26th and I was turning 30 now. And 
it was a very funny turn of events. Again, I'm big into manifesting. I'm the most like woo woo person you'll ever meet. You should see all the crystals I'm, like, I'm, I'm obsessed with all of it. Go ahead. <laughs> and so this, this weekend of my birthday and the Oscars were on the 25th and my birthday was on the 26th. And initially, right, I thought like back in the day, I was like, oh my God, why is that going to be at the Oscars around my 30th birthday? But now we're having to wait, whatever. So I'm like, how am I turning 30? How am I going to step into this new decade, this new chapter in my life? And I was like, I'm taking myself on a little trip. And I took myself out to Palm Springs on this little trip. And that night, the 25th on the Oscars is when the first West Side trailer debuted and has the shot of me at the window in it, in that trailer. And I remember seeing that and it was the biggest confirmation of like, I am on the right path in this new life, in this new journey. And this kind of, again, this energy surged through me saying, Paloma, just leap. So that night, the night before my birthday, I sent the letter to Moulin Rouge saying, I'm not going to be returning to the show and that I love them with my whole heart. And that decision was not made lightly or, but I have to take this leap and trust myself in this new way. So truly I entered this new decade fully committed to a new career path, a new coast, a new journey of it all. So it's been, I mean, the the pandemic's been transformative for everyone. Um, And I include myself on that list of just, I have, my life is almost unrecognizable from before. And I owe so much of that to these lessons that I continue to learn through West Side Story. That is like the gift that just keeps on giving. And that keeps reminding me, like when you're shown that your wildest dreams can come true in the biggest way. It's so affirming. Um, and it's been, you know, even the past few weeks going through these premieres and now the movie coming out and finally people being able to see it. I'm just so inspired and inspired to tell others that like trust that things can work out and they can work out better than you're going to imagine them. So just keep leaping, keep trusting yourself. Do not give up, do not stop because you're going to, you're going to live out your wildest dreams and so if you can just step into that confidence each and every day, oh my gosh, the world is your oyster. So don't be afraid and leap, leap, leap. Oh my God. I'm You are the most inspirational <laughs> human. I wasn't expecting we'd, we'd be here today, but this is amazing. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Now that your friends and people and, you know, everyone in the theater community and outside the theater community are seeing this movie, um, and I think it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. I think it'll just get bigger and bigger every week because the word of mouth is huge. What has this been like to be sitting on this, knowing that you're in something that's so special? There's no way you could be part of a movie like this and not feel what it's going to end up being. Sometimes you're in a dud and you don't know it, but there's no way you would have felt that, you know, filming this movie. So what has this reaction been like from the people in your life? having actually seen the work? You know, it's been, we knew we were a part of something special, but none of us 
have done anything on this scale. So to be honest, I think it's still news to us, this whole thing. And, you know, <laughs> it's been said to us by Steven. It's been said to us by the team that we actually still don't understand what we're a part of. And, yeah. you know, it's a group that loves each other. We're deeply present. We just, I mean, if anyone's on Instagram, sorry for like, it's only West Side Story content from any of us from here on out. <laughs> well, so it's also like it a is. Broadway family. It's just, it feels like something you don't get in most movies. It just feels no. like all people who understood the assignment and they're like, <laughs> we're in a Broadway show. It just happens to be in the most beautifully filmed thing of all time. Anyway, oh, continue. Yeah. No, but and also like I just continue to be like the Billy Elliot to Newsies to West Side Pipeline is so strong. And so it's like the on the town revival to West Side Pipeline. We really are holding down the fort in this film. Yes. Um <laughs> Jess Prado. Yeah, yeah. We, Cymatics, we Eloise Crop, oh like yeah. so many. Um, but you know, so now being able to share it. Again, so I remember before the premieres happened and working with my team on this, my manager, my publicist and everyone. So, and they were like, so you've like done premieres before, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done these Broadway premieres. And they were like, oh, so no, you haven't. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and I like couldn't have understood what that meant until I got on the carpet out here in Los Angeles last week and was like, the scale uh, is just so different than anything I've known before. The, the reach, because like you open Moulin Rouge, right? hottest ticket on Broadway. Like what a, what a success, what a triumph that was still at that point, you had to be in New York to go see that. Maybe you'd see a little clip on good morning America or the Tonys or something like that. But the, the actual digestion that like how many people act right now on earth are watching this movie. Like it's, it's crazy to me, the, the reach of it and the impact and the power and the, scope of it so it's also forever like forever like when you are 100 years old your that performance is frozen and we can we can watch it and you can watch it and your kids can watch it you're great you know it it is a different beast altogether that um and people the way they rewatch things you know that when you love something and then you watch it a million times and it becomes your story and you see yourself in it and all of that like you will have a huge effect on so many young dancers so many young women um you know many gay men (laughs) well that's honestly the hope like i gina traconis who played Graz in the original movie i've wanted to be her since I was little like I've literally watched dance at the gym when my parents I mean my parents showed me that film when I was very very tiny I loved West Side Story and I loved Singing in the Rain those were like my two favorite movie music oh and the music band those three were like my favorite movie musicals and I would watch dance at the gym anytime I was artistically like not fulfilled in my career or my life since I was a kid I would literally YouTube dance at the gym West Side Story and I would watch that number and I would just want to be her. And the the idea that maybe someone will see this film someday and see me and feel that way is mind-blowing to, to be able to pass on in that way. And also, exactly like you said, it's so different. You know, um, when people are like, well, is it hard for you to watch yourself on screen? And I was like, no, it's lit. I've never seen myself do anything. You know, That's I've been true. on Broadway my whole career and I never get to see... Again, you might get a, a, a bootleg of yourself or you might get a... Um, like a little clip of you in the B-roll or something, but I've never seen myself do anything. And you would never know what it was like to experience it. And when no. you're watching a bootleg, there's no, you're experiencing it the same way someone else is. I mean, obviously you know what it looked like to be inside of it, but you get to have the exact same experience as an audience member, which is something you probably have never had happen before, which is really no. special. 
Well, and also in film, it's very different. So on Broadway, right, you're really a part of the process. Like you're there every day in tech when the thing's getting cut, when like, oh, we're going to change this. And now this looks like this. Let's retech it in rehearsal when songs are coming and going, when lines are coming and going. The thing about film is when we um, watched it for the first time, uh, they held two screenings for the cast, one in New York and one in LA. And the New York one was the first one. And there was a bunch of us there. But we didn't know. I didn't know what was going to make it. I learned yeah. on Fosse Verdon, there was so much on that that I filmed that never made the cut. Days filming things, scenes with Sam Rockwell that never, you know, and I'm sitting there being like, oh my God, get ready for my scene with Sam Rockwell. And then like, <laughs> it's nowhere to be seen. So yeah. I learned a lot about the kind of, you know, what the editing process is that we're just not a part of. So when I sat down to watch West Side, I mean, you don't know. Like you have no, I'm like, am I in the film? Who knows? I might yeah. not be like, I may have worked all summer and done all of that to be like a kickball change and dance at the gym. And I'd still be so grateful. And that would never take away from the experience that I had, but you don't know what the result is going to be. So I, I mean, that speaks back to the moment in the first trailer. The fact that Graz is in a trailer, like, you know, like those, that moment, like I was like, Oh, and that was such a, um, I'm in the movie. I made yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like fully. And I remember that night, like the flood of texts that night of being like, oh my gosh, Paloma, like, did you just see yourself on the Oscars? Like, <laughs> oh my, and just being like, I just, I was just sobbing <laughs> because you don't, you don't know. And so I was able to watch it the first few times totally as an audience member. You know, we filmed things many so different cool. ways too. You don't yeah. know that day what you're getting. Like you're doing, you know, things a hundred times. And you don't know what the camera's, camera's different getting. Angles. Yes. You have yeah. no idea what's going on in Video Village. <laughs> no clue. And Stephen would let us watch a ton of playback, which is very rare to, for, you know, things on set. We would all just like do a take and then like run and huddle behind the camera <laughs> with him and watch it. And so we got to see, you know, a lot of what it could be, but it's very different. So many things are cut together in a way that um, I didn't know or uh, could kind of imagine that that's how they were going to be edited together. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been the, it, it, I think it will be the gift that keeps on giving, you know, we're just about to head into award season. Again, like you said, this is a, this is a forever thing. And a, again, a different scale. So yeah. I think I every day do dance at the gym at the Oscars, that's, that's the dream. I'll send that out. <laughs> that is the dream. And like your words to the universe is we're sending it out to that. the universe. Okay. We have to talk about a couple other things. Fosse Verdon, which you mentioned was truly one of my favorite things I've ever watched on television in my life. I can't imagine what it's like to be a real Broadway dancer like you are and have a moment to sort of be part of retelling this incredible story about Gwen Verdon and, you know, Bob Fosse and, and being one of Fosse's like main dancers and getting to recreate all that stuff from Pippin and all that stuff from Chicago. Tell us just a little bit about working on that project. Again, life-changing. And again, a lesson in trusting how it's going to work. I've been able to have this beautiful Broadway to now film transition and Fosse on top of being a part of a show that's just total dream come true. Uh, and being able to be in so many episodes of it. And like you said, being able to go from, like I got to do rep from Sweet Charity, from Pippin, from Chicago, all of the, all of these iconic shows um, that I love so much and have been obsessed with my whole life, being able to learn from the people who really made it and really did it. We had such an immersive process, right? Like we, it was such a research study and an in-depth dive into who Bob was, into who Gwen was, everyone on set listening to the stories. It was kind of like uh, like Fosse College, 
yeah. uh, for those months that we were doing it because it wasn't just, here's your lines for the day. Here's some dance steps. It was like, let's go into what this was. Every rehearsal room scene. What was a rehearsal room like back then? Everyone, you're, you're smoking. Smoking the in the dumpiest room you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And being abused. And, but, you know, like Wild. an understanding like this different level of intensity in a room that of course, the actor, you know, and also getting to do like my first TV project and I'm, I'm consistently in a room with Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams, like what a masterclass right. in acting. Wow. And I knew at that point that I was going to be doing West Side after. So I had my like twirly, like lesson student hat on and being like, what, what is it? to do this. So it was such a, um, what is it to be on set for a million hours a day dancing this long when your feet hurt worse than they ever hurt ever? And how can you continue to be present take after take? What is it when you're on set for months at a time being able to, you know, dive in in that way? What is it to be present? But also like I hadn't done anything like that before. So like, I don't, I didn't know the etiquette and, but what a beautiful thing. Fosse was set, uh, a first for so many of us that we were really handheld through the process of, you know, what everything means and what a day on set is like. So it on it was standalone, one of the greatest experiences I've ever had, but also the absolute best prerequisite for what I was about to walk into. And so I was able to walk into West Side with such a different understanding of how to work in front of a camera and how it's to like make choices. It's like the universe keeps giving you exactly what you need, which is uh, really does not happen all the time, or at least you're so open to it that I feel like it, that's happening for you, which at 17 to make your Broadway debut in Phantom had to feel like I've been in New York for a minute and I'm already doing the thing. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was to be essentially a teenager in the longest running Broadway musical and how you sort of stepped up to the plate to be able to do that. Yeah, that experience was wild, especially because I didn't really have, it was, um, a girl broke her foot, which is why I got the call to come in. And it truly was, I got, and I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anything. I got a random number at 9am in the morning in my apartment that was like, you've booked Broadway. And I had auditioned for the show months before. No callbacks passed that day. It was a one day ordeal. I moved on. I had forgotten I had auditioned for the show. It was not in my brain and literally your life changes in one day. But in that day, it was, we need you to head to the office to sign a contract. We need a wig fitting today. We need a costume fitting today. You're going to watch the show tonight. You start rehearsal tomorrow morning. You're going to be on stage in three days. It was like, oh, I was working at Lululemon okay. and I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm not I working to... at Lululemon anymore. No, I, qu I quit. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I went in that day cause I still had to like go in that morning cause I wasn't about to like not show up for my shift. And I was like, I, um, I just booked a Broadway show and they're like, oh my gosh, amazing. When do you start? I was like, like right now, <laughs> like this moment. <laughs> um, but what was crazy is going into that show at 17, the show had been running for 21 years. So there were people in the show who had been doing the show since before I was born. And that was crazy. They did a big speech about it my first night, my first performance, um, because they were, I was, I'm the youngest person ever hired for the Broadway production. And it was a bit, had they known I was 17, I'm not sure they would have hired me. Um, okay, great. because you know, that's truly a minor working and technically needs a child wrangler, uh, to be with them. <laughs> uh, so I had been living on so my own. Wacky. It's yeah. so wacky. I wasn't getting my full paycheck. You know, they like protect child actors from like their parents <laughs> stealing their money. So I wasn't even getting a full paycheck. And I had to like convince my parents we had to like emancipate me so that I could get a full paycheck so I could pay my rent, uh, which was wild. But uh, it was, you know, again, just a crash course of coming in at 17 years old into a company of uh, people who have been working for a very long time. The person they had hired before me, I think had been hired six or seven years before. So I'm truly like, 
the first new hire in so many years. And it was just a crash course again. And no, you don't touch the props. You know, I was just getting my equity card and all these things. No, you don't touch the props. You're handed this this way. When you walk into a dressing room, take the read of the room. Don't come in just talking about your own stuff. Like, and it was a group, um, that group is really specific, very loving. And they're my family. Now I've been in and out of that show, uh, you know, in between every other Broadway show I've ever done, I've always gone back to vacation swing. So talk again about gifts that keep giving, but you know, it was, um, and I did it for four years straight. So I truly, I was wow. on Broadway the rest of my year being 17. They had to wait for me to turn 18 cause they weren't going to send a child wrangler on the road with me, but they, I ended up going out on the road and playing Meg full time. And I left on my 18th birthday to go. They literally shipped me out like with my little trunk on my 18th birthday to school. It felt like, um, did your mom freak out? Like when you booked that, I mean, to, to see her daughter who grew up and your mom owned a dance studio. So she, she has been witnessing this, this thing happening. And then to have her, her kid kind of make the dream happen. I must've been a wild thing for her as well. I imagine. I think they were so my par- both my parents were thrilled. There is nothing to take away from the thrill, but there's also something with them. They um my parents they just like deeply understand the business and they know how hard I had been working, so it also was just one of those moments for them being like, "Okay, Paloma, like now show like you're doing it now. So like you better show up and you better be professional and like do all the things we taught you to do. This is why we sent you to boarding school at 14 was so that there was also this kind of um, surprise, not surprise, which was a really interesting thing to balance then um, with them, but so much support and so much learning. Cause again, right. You're really, I entered into not a show of, it's not a bunch of us being like, Oh, we're all in the music man. And it's our debut. It's like, I better rise to the occasion. And I was covering a principal um, and then, you know, immediately went on to playing that principal on the road full time. And so it was really more of a, like, you're a teenager, you need to keep, you know, yourself. You need to work together. almost like 10 times harder than everyone. Yes. You know, you also can't be a wide-eyed, excited 17-year-old in the company of Phantom. That They're not allowing for that to happen, no. I imagine. No, they were literally like, congrats, bye, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> like, fully. Oh my God. <laughs> like, fully. I mean, I'm and, crying. <laughs> and you're like, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. Um, and like, so thrilling. I mean, and I'm sure you learned so much and the, all of these experiences. Your second Broadway show is nice work if you can get it. And I always think there's something really special about your second show because it's sort of saying, I'm actually really doing this. You know, it's it's it wasn't a fluke that they just like picked me up for this first show. Did you feel some of that? Like, all right, I'm on the I'm on the right train here. Massively. And I like to say this because I think any I think we all need to talk about the reality of life so much more than these bullet points. When I was in Phantom, I couldn't get an agent to sign me. People were like, well, Phantom is like, you know, that's mostly like ballet. So like, we don't really think I was told by multiple agencies that they don't think I'm versatile enough to be a Broadway performer. And crazy. Uh, I really love when I run into them now and I'm like, Hey, (laughs) um, but again, like that fueled me so much being told that. So, um, after, um, so I did Phantom for four years, I closed the tour playing Meg came back into the Broadway company and was vacation swinging there. But then I was like, you know, I really want to do other things. I want to go do other shows. So I started auditioning, 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 auditioning. And, you know, it was slow for a moment, but I was still doing Phantom. So it was kind of this world of, okay, well, is another one going to come? And then I ended up, okay, my decision was I was going to step away from Phantom to make room in my life. But I was like, how am I going to pay my bills? Fell in love with SoulCycle. Started teaching for SoulCycle. Okay. Uh, 
And literally my schedule, I go through like their little training program to teach there. And then the day I like graduate from the training program, I book nice work. It's just how funny, the, it's funny how the I universe works. Again, like it was like a Lulu, it was a repeat. But what I've learned in my life is again, um, I don't, I've never felt desperate for work or desperate for a job. I really believe in being in the present and making my life a full experience no matter what. And so that's why I'm like, okay, I love SoulCycle. Okay, I'm going to do that because that fulfills me right now. And then something about walking into an audition, not desperate, just showing up uh, really attracts that energy is um, a different thing. So stepping into Nice Work was amazing. I ended up replacing one of my dearest friends, Samantha Sturm, in that. She had a beautiful track in that show that I just loved performing. Working with Matthew Broderick was amazing. Um, and yeah, it was kind of my foray into not ballet, into like real yeah. Broadway time and really understanding, uh, you know, vocalizing in a different way, singing in a new, much more serious way than Phantom has required for its dancers. And that one was amazing. And from there, that show introduced me to so many people. And that's kind of when I really feel the train started to go. Um, you know, prior to doing On the Town, I did Guys and Dolls at Carnegie Hall with Josh Burgoss and worked with Jack O'Brien there, which then Jack O'Brien circles back around to Charlie and the Chocolate Charlie Factory Chocolate later. Factory. And so it's, again, it's just kind of been this role of... Um, beautiful work opportunities that have just led one into the other. Um, even doing things like American dance machine, or I did chess at Kennedy center or, you know, like all of these different projects I've done, every creative team member has looped back around as I've gone through these shows. You know, I was a dance captain on the town. I was a dance captain at great Comet. Um, Charlie, I understudied Veruca, which was amazing. And then I was teching, I got the call from Sonia Taya, missed a number during tech of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Literally, this is Sonia Taya. I saw you do a piece for Andy Blankenbuehler at BC Beat. Again, I'm just such a yes person. If someone's like, come dance for me, I'm like, I'll be there with I'll Delta. be there. Great. Yeah. And so I was. that's how I first met Andy Blankenbuehler, who then that wraps around to Fosse Verdon. Uh, wow. You know, and so I danced for Andy. He did this beautiful piece. It's on YouTube. Um, and I did that. Sonia saw me there. Sonia called me to help her with Moulin Rouge from there. So it's just been this beautiful role of meeting people. And I'm deep into caring about personal connections. So um, I've made just some incredible artistic friendships and relationships. And, you know, when people like working together, you keep calling each other to work together. And so that just has continued and continued and continued in ways I, I could have never guessed. Well, you know, it's like obviously having someone like you that is so game and is so creative and beautiful and charming and talented, mm -hmm. you know, you want to keep having those people around. And there's no doubt that you have made such a such a space for yourself everywhere you've gone. And I've only known you for 48 minutes <laughs> and I'm a, totally obsessed with you. So there, there we have it. Okay. Um, so now after multiple Broadway shows, Fosse Verdon, Living Your Dream in West Side Story, now living in LA, what do you see next for yourself? Where, where do we go next? There are so many things that I want to do, but my goal right now is complete focus on TV and film. That it does not have to include dance. It does not have to include singing or being a musical. I'm mostly auditioning uh, for a lot of total just like dramas. I'm going in for series regulars for TV shows, for larger supporting roles in films. And it has been the most thrilling process to now start seeing those callbacks, those tests, those chemistry reads. Uh, I just feel like I'm totally on this new trajectory now and very much looking forward to people seeing my work in Westside. And my goal would be either to um, take on a series regular role uh, in a series and see a character through a different arc that I've never yes. experienced before and kind of dive into that challenge of what is it to be a really key player in something and what is that journey like? 
uh, or to step into a supporting role in a, another feature film uh, in a larger capacity where I can, I would like to do something that terrifies me that I have to um, raise to the occasion and really show up in new ways and surprise myself and grow in. Well, since you said it out loud, it's definitely going to happen because that's what we <laughs> see. It seems like happens for you. So we're recording it. We're putting it out on the internet. It's all good. Um, Ploma, we have to do the quick fire questions. Are you right. ready? I'm ready. Okay. First audition song. Give the little lady a great big hand from Goldilocks, the musical. <laughs> all right. Thanks mom. Um, all right. First Broadway show you saw. Either Beauty and the Beast or Fosse. I forget. One of those two. Okay. Um, favorite Broadway show that you were not in? <laughs> Jersey Boys. I saw it eight times on Broadway. Oh <laughs> Something you've turned down that you had second thoughts about? Mm. Oh, gosh. There's been a few of those. Ooh, I don't know a favorite. There's been a few of those. Okay. Um, artists you'd like to work with that you haven't? Uh, my, my dream, well, and this is like a big one, but I'm saying it out loud again. I want to work with Wes Anderson and Greta Gerwig. Those are my two right. just dream directors out there. And I would do anything to make art with them. If you had to go back to a Broadway show, not had to, you'll be back on Broadway. Don't worry. Um, and Patty Lapone would be your co-star. What would you like to do with her? Oh my gosh. Wait, why did Chicago come to my brain? <laughs> Great, that's it. We're just going to say it. We're in an all-new production of Chicago starring you and Patty Lapone. I will pay full price. I won't even try to get a comp. Wait, okay. that would be so brilliant. <laughs> that's it. I don't want to know who's Velma and who's Roxy, but we'll we'll figure it out. All right, what's your go-to album for a car trip on your drives to now Palm Springs, which is my favorite place on earth? Go ahead. Favorite place on earth. I go all the time. I'm uh, Dur either anything from Duran Jones and the Indications or Aaron Fraser. See, Either of those so artists. Cool. <laughs> All right. Can you name two real housewives? Boo. Isn't there like a Teresa? There's a right, Teresa. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fail. Um, I don't have a TV. Your, I don't have a TV. Oh, stop it. You're too cool for school. What, um, what was your high school obsession while you were at school? What show artist, who are you obsessing about? Uh, obsessed with spring awakening. Great. Um, who is your favorite Muppet? Oh, you know, I don't know any of them, but I love everyone from Fraggle Rock. Every one of them. Oh, everyone. yes. Yes. Fraggle Rock. Yes. All right. Fill in the blank. Sam Rockwell is blank. The greatest actor. Right. Um, craziest night on stage that you can remember. Completely blacking out on what any of my lines were as Meg Jerry in the dressing room scene at Phantom. Right. Um, <laughs> if you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? Probably original cast of Danson. Ooh. Um, if you can pick your own name, what would it have been? <laughs> weird question. When I was little, I forced people I hated Paloma, and I wanted to be Crystal with a K. That's <laughs> like very 90s. Really um, wanted to be Crystal. But you're very young. Okay. Um, okay. Most memorable performance you've ever seen? Uh, the first time I watched Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet. Uh, changed yes. my life. Awesome. Um, all right. I was going to ask you what your favorite quarantine TV binges, but you don't have a TV. I didn't, but on my phone, I watched The Queen's Gambit and Anya Taylor-Joy is a gift to us right? all. Right? I mm -hmm. feel like you could pay her sister in something. I'm up I would love nothing more. I'm obsessed with her. Her and Vanessa Kirby are my two favorite actresses and just to follow in their footsteps is the goal. What song do you sing when no one's home? <laughs> Anything by Elvis. <laughs> I'm okay. so sorry. 
<laughs> what movie can you watch over and over again? That thing you do. What is your advice for young performers such as yourself when you were a little teen there at School of the Arts? <laughs> Work so hard and know that what is meant for you will not pass you. Yes. Um, and what did you wish you knew at the start of this whole thing? It's going to work out differently than you can ever fathom. So just release your grip on, release your grip on what you think your life is supposed to look like. Yes. All right, Paloma, tell the people where they can follow you and find out everything you're doing in the next TV series. And we'll see you at the Oscars, but tell them where they can follow you. Um, I'm big on Instagram. My handle's at Paloma Garcia Lee. I'm very lame on Twitter, but like I'd so appreciate more than seven followers on it. So I'm also there at Paloma so Garcia let's Lee. follow her. <laughs> on Twitter, just to make, make her feel special. Paloma, yes. you are such a delight. I'm so thankful to spend this time with you. I, I couldn't be more thrilled to know you. I'm so thrilled for your success and this gorgeous movie that I think is going to change a lot of people. Um, you've, you've done, you've created some real art in the world and now it exists and we all are here for it. So thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a treat. Go see West Side Story. Go see West Side Story. And uh, friends, I'm going to be back next week with an all new very strange episode. So get ready for that. And uh, thank you, Paloma. Thank you, little me listeners. And we'll see you next week. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.